Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, we're finally here. We've literally been in about one year of preparation as a team and small group leaders and all of you that have been joining in with us to get ready for this journey that we're about to take for six weeks. I wanna welcome those watching online, welcome those at our McKinney campus. Would you join me in welcoming them that are coming along for the journey that we're about to take? It's going to be an exciting journey where we're going to be looking at a question that all of us ask if we're honest. A lot of times we don't want to really be honest about how much we ask it. Maybe sometimes we're not as aware that we're asking it, but it is a question that comes into all of our worlds and that is this question of who am I? And at every season of life, we're asking that question and in the ups and downs and the bumps, and yes, even in the victories, we're still asking that question, who am I? I'm gonna ask you, if you would, I have a little card for you that I put in your service guide, also at the McKinney campus, and this is just a little tool. If you're new, uh, we've spent the last couple of weeks asking people to join the journey with us, but maybe you haven't had the opportunity. There's still space, there's still availability. We're ready for you. We'd love for you to join in with us. You may be asking the question, what is it? Well, in these moments together as a church, we've taken these kind of journeys before. Uh, we found that there's some helpful things to help us really take steps together and to help you engage with getting some answers to that question, who am I? And uh, so on the card I have there, first of all, the message series. I'll, I'll be preaching the first message in the series and then for the next six weeks, I'm gonna ask you to attend those messages and to come and I'll be talking about and unpacking several different specific areas that we ask the who am I question. And so it's a message series, it's also a book that I wrote and um, I'm excited about you getting it. If you haven't gotten a copy, they're available in the Commons area. Um, and so if you're new, I've shared this every time, I'm not taking resources from the book. The motive of the book is not even authorship or anything like that. It's, it's really to help us together explore this question and to allow God to deposit great things in our lives. And so uh, if you're not much of a reader, the book is very engaging, it has stories, uh, it has short chapters, and it has uh, not a lot of words on the page, and all of you who like to cheat, it has cliff notes. At the end of each chapter, I kinda tell you, hey, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand, and so if you show up to your small group late and you haven't had a chance to read, then you got it right there, little cheat sheet, okay? That's, that's for free, all right? And so uh, I did mention small groups. That's a big part of the journey. And um, Jesus had a small group. The early church lived in small groups. Um, I have to tell you, it's the way God designed us that, and in the early church did this, you would, they would come together, you hear the preached word of God, that helps us, we grow, we learn how to engage with our own Bibles, but we also are not just a gathering of people, we have a core value here at Milestone, that we're a family. And so families don't just attend events together, they actually talk about things and sit around the dinner table and they walk through things in life. And so I'm very excited maybe for some of you that might for the first time or the first time in a while, jump into a small group because I know God's gonna meet you there. You can do anything for six weeks 
And so jump in to one of those groups. We've got literally hundreds, I think over 600 groups available for you, meeting all over the community, meeting in multiple locations. And so we would love to serve you. One of our team members with a question mark, they're in the commons, could serve you. You could jump online at whoammybook.com, find a group, and we're very excited about you being a part of it. I know that it's how Jesus did life and the early church did life, but I know it's hard in our culture. We're busy. In fact, tomorrow morning, you might think I'll preach these messages and I have my small group tomorrow morning and you may think that like there's an angel who comes into my bedroom and hallelujah, Pastor Jeff, we want to help you ascend to your small group and then I'll just have you know all kinds of great verses and I'll have a good attitude. I won't. I'll be looking for coffee just like you. And I'll sometimes say this after 20 plus years of living with people, why did I sign up for this? Can we be honest in church? Y'all are acting way too religious. You're like, that's not me, I'm very happy for Jesus. Okay, all right, anyway, for the rest of us. We're thinking, man, why'd I do this? Here's what happens to me every time though. Every time I do it, I leave and go, that, that's why. A story that encourages me, a relationship, something that I understand about God in a different way, and that's, that's why God's smarter than me. And so he asked me to do it. I'm asking you to do it. I'm asking you to step out. You'll find some new relationships. You'll find some things that God wants to help you understand in a powerful way. So I'm asking you to jump in and join the journey. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter three. Genesis, Exodus, first part of the book, Genesis 3.10, and we're gonna jump over to Exodus 4.10, and we're going to start this first week as we're thinking about this who am I question. This question that comes into all of our worlds, we're going to unpack it by looking at who am I when I think I don't measure up? Who am I when I'm dealing with the measurement? And we're gonna look at a story from the Bible that illustrates it for us so well. The fact is that we start out life from the very beginning being measured, being evaluated, in fact, I know when I had my children, you know, it's like they do this APGAR test, they do it, I'm like, how'd they do? I wanna know, was my kid better than everybody else's kid in the nursery? Come on, parents, be honest. And then it's like they start, go, they go to their first little, little appointment, you know, and there's gonna be all this statistical analysis, and then the doctor comes out and says, well, your child is in the 99th percentile. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, that's just his head, you know, that's just her head, you know, they got it from me. No. They start going to school, you know, and it's like, how are they doing with their reading, their writing? And so we're getting evaluated, then we get report cards, and we get all kinds of evaluations and assessments. And so all the way through our lives, we grow up with all kinds of measurement and evaluation, and nothing wrong with a little bit of evaluation, nothing wrong with a little bit of assessment. The problem is that if we don't understand God's perspective, and that's what we're doing on this journey, is there's a little tagline discovering who God's created us to be, who he says that we are, if we lose that perspective, we can get inundated with the world's opinion, with all of our own assessments, ideas, and we can find ourselves trapped and being overly focused on the wrong things very easily. 
fact, we evaluate ourselves every day. Statistics say that men look in the mirror 23 times a day, women 16. I don't know if that's a true statistic because I got a lot of women in my house and they spend a lot of time in front of the mirror and I would prefer if they would go to their own mirror outside of my bathroom, okay? But I got a lot of girls, they look in the mirror a lot, interesting. Girls look in the mirror, most girls at least, when they evaluate, they see a flaw. It's like, man, what about that? What about this? They tend to kind of recognize the flaws. I don't know what it is about guys. Maybe that's why they look in the mirror more because guys have this problem. You know, brother be up in there, and you know, I don't know if y'all know this, when your hair stops growing on your head, it grows out your ears, grows out your nose. Brother have ear hair, nose hair, back hair. Stand in front of the mirror. You got it, brother. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's a, you still got it. You know, I don't know what's going on in his brain. Okay? <laughs> There's something messed up there, all right? But, but really, male or female, we, we, we all evaluate, we assess. And all the evaluation of our culture, and yes, really, sometimes we're the ones doing the most evaluating in our souls and it stops us from becoming who God's called us to be. Moms have a lot of pressure today. There's a lot of evaluation going on, and yes, internal evaluation. It's like I have to do well with my children. They have to be prodigies, you know? I have to kind of make sure I've got all the right things going on. I got the right stuff to put on Pinterest. I've got the perfect world, and I'm gonna have time to make it to hot yoga, and I'm gonna i got all this to put on, the perfect selfie picture. I've got to do all this. Maybe you're a working mom. Maybe you want to be a mom and you're not a mom and that produces evaluation. Maybe you're a working mom and you're like, i got to produce all these results and I feel guilty that I'm not producing these results and am I going to mess these kids up? Dads have all the pressure. Men have the pressure. You got to produce. You got to be able to check everything off your bucket list. You got to make sure retirement accounts are full. You got to make sure you're handling college. You got to make sure, and you come to church, and then you're here. You need to be the spiritual leader of your home. For those of you watching online in McKinney or by video, we just had a guy here who spent 30 years in the Navy with the bald head, which that was powerful. God was shining on him. But I don't know about you. But man, that messed me up watching that guy cry in that, that baptistry. I mean, he's on his way to learning what it means to be a man of God. But I'm gonna tell you this, we don't start there. Men come to church and hear, you need to be the spiritual leader of your house. You're like, oh my gosh, how do I do that? And we feel like, man, am I right? Do I, do I know how to do that? Young adults have so much pressure so many challenges along the way. Young adults feeling like, man, am I gonna get married? Am I gonna reach the dreams that I'm called to reach? Teenagers, I love this about this journey, by the way. We're not just taking it uh, for those of us in, in our phase of life, but our teenagers, if you're listening to me here, I ask you to come and listen to the message, but we have our teenagers joining us. In fact, I joined them on Wednesday night and had a powerful moment with them. It was so powerful. I, I opened up Wednesday night. We have hundreds of teenagers. I love them. I believe in them. Thank you for being a church that believes in them. Did you know what? It's always been hard being a teenager. It has. It's always been a little hard. Do you remember when you had all them emotions running around? You're trying to figure out how to do it. But it's even more challenging today because the evaluation today is greater because of technology. The pressure 
the images, all of what they see around them. And so I opened up the mic and I let them ask me questions about sexuality and dealing with the internet and dealing with phones and dealing with the pressure of friends and had 4,000 parents watching on the other end of the camera and listening to it and I prayed over them. I'm gonna tell you, it's not easy being a young person because there's pressure and insecurity that comes from all of the things that they live around on a day-to-day basis. Our little guys, this is what's cool about being a family. Our little guys in the back, guys and gals, they're learning, they're growing. We baptized several of these young people this weekend. And I wanna tell you, we take them through a process, we train them, but let's never underestimate too. We don't wanna overcomplicate this thing with Jesus because little kids, the Bible says, Jesus said, let them come to me. And he said, all you have to have is the faith of a child. But I'm gonna tell you, even the little guys, I believe because of the pressure and evaluation of our world, it trickles down even to them at a great level today. And they're wondering, look, do I measure up? A lot of the kids that I heard from, you know what they love? When I tell them, when I stand and shake hands with them and sign their books and say, I'm proud of you. Parents, you need to tell them that more. Because they're asking the question, I know everybody's proud of so-and-so and all her Instagram likes. Are you proud of me? Are you proud of me? I don't know if I measure up. Listen, insecurity tears at your identity. It tears at your identity. It rips at your identity. But if you're asking the question, okay, I know I have all that, because we all do, including me, what do we do about it? What do we actually do about it? Well, I'm glad that the Bible tells us some stories. And as I began to pray about this who am I question and started studying it on my own and started thinking about it, I was, I was very encouraged to find these people in the Bible, you know, the heroes, these real spiritual people, they asked the question too. They struggled with it too. And we're gonna look at Moses. That's why I told you to turn to the book of Exodus, a familiar character in the Bible a big, big hero in the Bible, and he struggled with insecurity. Let me give you a little backdrop on him. He was born in a time where there was a threat against young boys. He could be killed. His mom took a a, a papyrus, papyrus and made a basket and sealed it with tar and put him there in the reeds of the Nile River that he might be saved. And the fact is, if he had like a Wikipedia page over his life would be this banner, chosen. Because although he lived under threat, God had chosen him. God had picked him. God had a plan for him. In fact, his Egyptian name means son. His Hebrew name means drawn from the waters. So providentially in God's sovereignty, God had a plan. And so he's brought into the king's palace, the, the most powerful place in the land of his day, and he's raised with privilege, and he's raised with a lot of things, and his life is spared and saved, but he comes to a moment in his journey where he actually is not living who he's created to be. He has a bump in the road, and that encourages us too, because even if you've had a bump in the road, you may have made a mistake, you're not a mistake. That's the story of the Bible. You may have messed up, but you're not a mess up. He messed up. He had this moment where he gets upset because of what these Egyptians are doing to his people, and he kills an Egyptian, and he buries him in the sand, and then he does what most of us do when we hit troubled times. If we don't understand who we are in God, we run. Some of you have been running, and God's saying, look, stop running. I have a plan for you. 
come back. He starts moving out into the wilderness and he wanders around. And right before I read to you right here this moment, there's a powerful thing that's happening. You need to know the context. It's called a theophany. And a, and a theophany is like a big preacher word, but it literally means a manifestation supernaturally of Jesus in the Old Testament. It's like Jesus, God, he appears to him in a burning bush on this holy ground. He says this to him. He says, so now, after all of these different events and mistakes and challenges and wondering, which by the way, I love the fact that by the way, he's 80 years old. I love the Bible because the Bible shows us, there's scriptures that tell us, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Did you know God never says, you're too young to walk in who I've discovered you, I, I have created you to be and discover who you're created to be. You're never too young to discover that. God never says you're too young. And for some of you, you need to hear this, you're never too old. You're never too old for God to say, I have a plan for you. So at 80 years old, at a burning bush, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, there it is, who am I? Moses says to God, who am I? Who am I? Notice the evaluation. Notice the insecurity. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says what he always says to us when we feel insecure. It's his go-to line all the time because of who he is. He says, I will be with you. By the way, the more disconnected you are from God, the more you will struggle with your identity. The more separated you are from him, the more you'll struggle. And conversely, the more connected to him you are, the more you'll have an anchor in your identity. He says, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses says to God, because he's not totally convinced, but it's kind of like he's standing, like when you buy a home or something, he's standing in the home kind of going, man, if I did put my furniture here, so he's kind of picturing himself doing it, so he, he kind of responds transparently back to God. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, here's what I want you to tell them. Notice how secure God is. You just tell them, I am who I am. You know what this passage is telling us? Greater than the who am I question is the statement from God, I am who I am. I am who I am. The great I am is greater than any question regarding our identity that we'll ever ask. He says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Then I need to fill in the gaps because we're gonna jump over here to this continued discourse between Moses and God, but you're like, what's happening? It's still a lot of God convincing. I think God's doing a pretty good job right there. But isn't it amazing how much convincing it takes so many times with God as he keeps telling us, I'll be with you, I am who I am. He has some signs for Moses and he continues to try to reinforce that. And I'm sorry, this is just how my brain works. And I try to think, you know, okay, God, I don't wanna always put you in a position where you have to sell me on everything that you have for my life all the time. Because that's common in the Bible, okay? And when I read this, I can't help it, but I go to, 
one of the skills I have because I can be a persuasive person in different areas. And some of you may not know this because you're new to the church. I've shared it over the years. Um, I'm full right now. Um, I, don't have any, I don't have any openings uh, to, to be able to consult in this area. I, all my contracts are full. You may not know the skill I have. It's a marketable ability. I've used it in my family and helped a few select friends, but I'm full. I'm a professional potty trainer. You guys need to know that. And anybody in potty training right now, it's like, that's a big deal. It's, it's inconvenient, it's messy, and then as they get older, they start making big people diapers. And that's when it gets serious. You're like, we gotta fix this. Well, I can't consult for you, so, but I, maybe I'll give you my secret. I'm very persuasive. I get a Mickey Mouse seat, a Mickey seat, very important. Because what you use as your motivation is, you can sit on Mickey. I put it on the toilet, right? Then I developed a song that has been copyrighted, so you just use it at your own discretion, okay? It's on iTunes. It is called TTT, TT on the potty. And so I say, sit on Mickey. I've done this four times and done it. It's, it's really powerful. TTT, TTT on the potty, TTT. And it relaxes things. See, there's a lot of stress about this. And just, you know, and it, bam. I mean, we have miracles that happen. T, 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 T on the potty. And then if it's not working, I offer Skittles. <laughs> offer Skittles. This is dangerous, because my kids could be watching this by video and suddenly have to run to the bathroom. You know, it's like Pavlov's dog. He's like, oh my God. T, 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 T on the It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's for their best interest. I actually have their best interest in mind, a little bit of selfishness, but really, but, but God has so many things for us. Why do we make him sing ditties and give us skittles and keep convincing us? Why do we make him do that? What if we were so secure in who we are and who he is, we were just like, okay, okay, whatever you say. Wherever you lead, okay, I'll go. Moses is still in process, which gives us some hope. Look what it says. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent. He's worried about his speech. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, though, look at, here it is. He's back to this. Okay, let me show you. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes the deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So he comes back to, now go. Now go. Look, I will be with you. Then he says, look, I will help you. I'll be with you. I will help you. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses is still in processes, and at the end of the message, we're going to see that he does ultimately get there because he keeps taking steps. But at this point, he's in the battle. He's in the battle of dealing with insecurity. And he says, Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. You may have said it before. Can you please send someone else? Can you please use someone else? You know the good thing about God, though, is he doesn't just work around our insecurities. He works through them. 
So no matter how much we keep resisting and dealing with it, God keeps working through it. And so I'd like us to spend a few moments looking at how does God work through it? How does God help us with the insecurity struggle? Now, one thing we've gotta always understand is we all have different responses to it, and some of you may be even going, you know what, I don't know if I relate to that, slow of speech or whatever, because actually, there's really two main responses to insecurity. Here's two ways they manifest. First of all, you can be a person who says, you know what, when you feel insecure, I'll show you I'm good enough, I'll be the best, I don't need your help, and so you can have a, a pride issue. Did you know sometimes the strongest person externally is not always the most secure person? Sometimes it manifests by them overcompensating out of their insecurity. If you have sort of this bent, we all can relate to moments where that, that manifests in our lives. By the way, working with people for many years, one of the greatest attributes is to recognize in people some level of self-awareness of where they're weak. Actually being able to understand where you're moving out of insecurities is a great, a great trait. But some of you don't relate to that. Some of you deal with it this way. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'll never be good enough. Nobody will help me. And so you have a rejection complex. Did you know insecurity is exhausting? It sucks the air out of the room. And insecurity will actually cause people to move back from you. If you, and I understand, you may have been rejected by authority figures, you may have had things spoken over your life, but what happens is if we don't learn how to get anchored in God, the fact is we start thinking and dealing with a spirit of rejection and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in our lives. That's the enemy strategy in this tool. You're like, Jeff, I, I kind of, I have a combination of both maybe, how do we do it practically? I always wanna leave you with a practical way. Four ways to live more securely. Number one, don't put your identity in anything that can't sustain it. You know why we feel like a lot of times we don't measure up? Because we don't measure up in a lot of areas. It's actually a true feeling. And that's the hope that's found in Jesus. The hope that's found in Jesus, which Moses is a type and a shadow, a part of God's big story, leading us to the moment where Jesus comes and says, I know you feel inadequate, I know you feel like you don't measure up, so I'm gonna give my perfect life so that you can have some fixed things inside of you. You can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you can be a son and daughter, and so because you don't measure up, I'm gonna give my life to help those things get corrected inside of you. And that really is where you find the strength to address all of these feelings and emotions and inadequacies, and it's really where you find a place to anchor your identity. It's not in you at all, not in your measurement at all, but in Jesus and who he is in your life. And so a lot of times when I'm ministering to people, and I'm gonna pray this over you at the end of this message, I'm thinking about you and McKinney or online, I'm gonna tell you, you have to, as much as you can keep coming to a place of the finished work of Jesus inside of you, here's what that causes. You begin to lose a lot of the enemy strategy to bring you into pride and rejection and destroy your relationships and destroy your emotions, and what you begin to do is say, and I pray this over people all the time, you are not your past. You are not your rejection. You are not your strengths. I prayed it over our young people Wednesday night. I had them stand up. I mean, I asked them, look, if you face family challenges, 
hundreds of kids stood up. I'm gonna tell you, they're looking for us parents, by the way, to get some anchoring. Hundreds of them. I got family challenges and I feel insecure. If you've had sexual challenges, stand up. They all stood up around the room and I said, you know what? You're not defined by that. You're not defined by that. And guess what else? You're not defined by your ACT score. You're not defined by your making captain of the football team. All of that's cool. That's great. It just makes for a poor identity. Because whatever you find your identity in the most has the greatest potential to make you feel insecure. It has the ability to make you feel insecure because you, at some level, worship it so much. So don't put your identity in anything. My recommendation, put it in Jesus. He doesn't shake. He doesn't shake. He doesn't change. He's constant. He's consistent. And so don't put your identity in those things. Second of all, lean into your weakness. I know this is not popular in our culture, but lean into your weakness to leverage more of God's strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul talking, and I love these next few words, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So we don't highlight that a lot. Did you know your weaknesses don't have to be a liability? Your weaknesses don't have to be a source of insecurity. Your weaknesses can be a backdrop for God's power. Your weaknesses can be a place in which God shows himself strong. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so what? The power of Christ may rest upon me. You know what our culture does when we feel weakness? Our immediate thought is, if I had more information on the subject, I could overcome my weakness. Number one category of the bookstore, self-help. If I could get four or five ways, 10 ways, and so we have this inclination when we find a weakness to try to overcompensate in our own strength to fix the weakness. The message of Jesus is, I know you're frail, I know you're inadequate, I know you're weak, so why don't you let me show up and be strong? Why don't you let me show up in your life in a new dimension? So I wanna encourage some of you like, I feel insecure about my weaknesses. Lean into them. Lean into them. Be aware of them. Lean into them and let Jesus show up in a powerful way. Number three, I'm talking about where the real battle is fought. Submit your self-talk and your thoughts to the truth of God's word. Romans 12, three says, do not think of yourself more highly. When you think of yourself more highly, that's an improper view, okay? Think of yourself more highly. You're not aware that you have those weaknesses, but look what it says. More highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. What does that really mean? Having the right mind about yourself and the right perspective of God. And it says here that what happens is there, you, you do it in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. What is that telling us? That where the battle's really fought, we can have an accurate understanding of who we are, who God is, think in that way and in that direction, and we can continue to move toward who God's called us to be, and we can discover who we're created to be. I, I talk about this a lot, because it's really, you know, a lot of our insecurity, it's right here. It's right here. It's, it's thoughts, it's lies, it's perspectives, it's, it's right here. 
And, and so I was talking to a guy the other day and I can get a little passionate about it. And he is facing a bunch of challenges and circumstances and God was calling him to a new place and a big step and it was faith and it was like, ah. and so I, was, I, was, I had him in my car, his wife was in the back seat and man, I was just coaching him up and I was talking about, I was talking about this thinking thing and I always think of it I apologize, I played football, I played line, so I always think about it and I always use this analogy because I think about where the, where the battle really is. It's not the person who makes the headlines who throws the pass, it's the guys up front who are making sure he doesn't get killed. And so it's in the trenches, it's in that battle. And so I was using that analogy with him and he was from Oklahoma and he played football and so I was trying to go, man, you gotta get in the trenches, man, with this. You gotta get control of your thinking, man. Get up there where the battle's won. I looked at him, I said, you know what I'm talking about, man. You know, you, you, you were a lineman. He looked at me, his wife started laughing. He said, I was an all-state quarterback. I put on a few LBs. I'm like, forget that. But anyway, that, that, that's where the battles fought. <laughs> but it really is. It's up in our self-talk getting it aligned with God's word. I had this happen to me a while back. I was talking to one of my children who had to give a speech in front of their peers. And I'm gonna tell you, it's one of the things that, that requires, you know, it's one of the top fears is public speaking and then they had to do it in front of their peers and so they were talking about it and they're like, Dad, what do you do? I said, I, I get nervous from time to time. I, I, wanna, I wanna do good. I can get overly concerned with what everybody else thinks and, I can, I can think about it. I can think, okay, am I looking over here? I watch myself, and go, am I looking too much over here? I wanna include all of y'all, and am I talking to the, I, I think about those things, and I, I look at it, and I wanna get better, but you know what? I told, my, I told one of my children, I said, you can't get overly consumed with that. Because if I do, I lose my ability to really help people, because it's about me. And I said, here's what I try to do. I try to, when I feel nervous, I said, look, here's what you need to do when you go give that speech. Think about somebody in that room that's hurting. Think about somebody else. By the way, if you wanna be the most secure person in the room, don't think about you, think about somebody else. I said, just go in there and say, look, I'm, and I, I, I said, Dude, I'm doing this for Jesus and I got nothing to prove and no one to impress, and so I'm just sharing that with one of my children, and then that week, I was invited at an event, I'm sitting at a round table, there's all these important people in the room and they asked me to pray. And I'm like, okay, I've preached since I was 16. I've prayed hundreds of prayers. I, I'm like a professional prayer. But I walked over, and before I walked up on the stage, they had this little railing and some stairs going up, and when I grabbed the railing, I started feeling insecure. I was like, I, well, what if I say something theologically inaccurate? There's important people out there. What if I mess up? What if I trip going up these stairs? What if I... <laughs> Self-talk, it's in there. And I remembered what I told one of my children. I just say, you know what, Jeff, this is not about you. This is about God. This is about one step at a time up those stairs. I'm getting strength. Security's coming in my soul. We all have it, but where do we find the answers? We've got to submit all of this to the truth of this. We gotta submit it to the truth of this. Here's number four. Focus more on what God's doing in you than what others say or think about you. Hebrews eleven twenty six. I told you we would look at, did Moses actually make it to the end? He had some bumps, he had some side bars and detours, but look what it says in Hebrews eleven twenty six. 26, he regarded the disgrace 
that he had to endure for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Why is Moses included in the Hall of Fame in the New Testament? You know why? He kept moving forward in this insecurity area. And we saw the heightened moment between him and God, but his legacy is forever changed because he ultimately answered the who am I question by not looking at what everyone else was saying, not looking at the treasures of Egypt, not looking at all the wrong things, but he kept looking ahead to the reward of what God had planned for him. Can I say something to all of you? How you answer the who am I question will affect your legacy. It'll affect, sir, it'll affect your ability to access God's security will impact the security of your wife. You know what a wife, what a wife really wants? She doesn't want a perfect husband. She wants a husband who is aware of his need to always find his identity in Jesus. That's what she's looking for. What, what, is, what, is our, what are our children looking for? What are they looking for? They're, they're, they're looking for the security found in a home that's not perfect, but a home that's centered on that reward, not the treasures of Egypt. They're looking for the safety that's found because look, man, I feel safe in that. How we answer the who am I questions, not just for our own insecurities, it's actually for the legacy that we leave. So I wanna just encourage you with something. Quit worrying so much about what everybody else out there is thinking. I'm gonna tell you a lot of times, you know what, you're so worried about what someone else is thinking which drives you to make poor decisions and you know what a lot of times, you know what they're not thinking about? You. They're thinking about themselves. So you need to be more concerned with thinking about what Jesus is thinking and of course close confidants and counselors and people that you have already predetermined to respect their opinion but don't get overly consumed with the evaluation of multiple scenarios and voices, okay? I wanna show you this in real life. My, my desire always is to, is to make it as real as possible. And I heard a testimony from a lady named Krista, who I believe she illustrates today's message so powerfully about you're not defined by your past and keep taking steps. And I love the emotion and the power here of what Jesus has done in her life. So I'm gonna ask you to watch this with me as we look at what can happen in the area of insecurity. Watch this with me. Do you have a boy? Nope, I knew it. Okay, do you have a ponytail? I do not. Do you have brown hair? Nope. Do you have no hair? I'm a girl. Ah! I have hair. Boys. Boys have? Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember any time as a kid that I ever fit in. Pretty much a day-to-day -day in my childhood was fighting. The funny thing about insecurity is you can play it off and you can pretend and you can fake it. And I was the best faker. Um, I can come off so confident and just like I have everything all together when the majority of my life, I was a total wreck. I knew I wasn't good enough. I knew that my life had gone down totally wrong path than what I thought that it would. But when my parents got divorced, it was God did this to us. God broke our family up and God hurt us. I knew something was missing. I didn't know what it was, but I was willing to seek it 
in any avenue that I could. I started drinking, doing drugs, just making really bad choices. Different boys are like, oh, you're so pretty, and I love you, and I'll take care of you. And just that sense of security sounded so good to me that I would have probably gone away with anybody just to have that love for a second. The same cycle, the same abuse, the same fights, the same physical everything. I attempted suicide. It was just, where am I going? What am I doing? I'm just walking out these motions and I feel nothing. I feel empty, I feel lost. That's what it was for me every day. And then it caught up to me and I ended up getting pregnant. I thought that I'd have to protect myself from my own child. All I could think of was, okay, I'll never be good enough. I'm not gonna have what she needs. I'm not gonna be able to provide for her what somebody else could provide for her. I'm not gonna be able to be this awesome leader that she needed. And I just was like, how much wrong did I do to get here? I didn't wanna feel the pain, I didn't wanna be hurt, and so I kinda would just flip a switch. And I lived that way for years. I had never felt happy. Being a mom didn't make me happy. Being in a relationship didn't make me happy. Like, waking up breathing didn't make me happy. I got invited to church by three different people in the same week. And it was just those invitations of, hey, come in here and let me show you this. And that's the steps that it slowly started taking for me to understand relationship. And so I thought, three people in one week, that's strange. I'm gonna try it out. I actually sat in the parking lot, probably 15, 20 minutes, just contemplating on when I walked in if people were gonna look at me strange. And so when I finally got over that fear, I remember walking in and this lady just looked at me and she just grinned and she's like, good morning, you want some coffee? And then somebody else saw me looking around and they asked if I was new and this person and that person and the next. These big smiling faces like wanting to know me and who I was and I've never experienced that before. And I just left and I felt just overwhelmed. Everybody poured out love to me, someone they don't even know, a total stranger. The more that happened, I couldn't wait to return the favor to somebody else. Sometimes I feel lonely, like I've kind of already shared that with you. Yeah. So I would want him to show me like what I should do like when I'm alone. But do you think you're alone? No, I'm not, I'm not alone like physically, but like, I don't know. But do you believe that God's always with you? Yeah. Well, then you're not alone. I know. <laughs> it's kind of amazing that when you pray for something your whole life and then God delivers it to you and it's like, After a few months of serving, I met a woman and she just came up to me and she said, hey, tell me your story. It was so God ordained that we met and just started to grow closer. She's been like a mom to me. They didn't ask any questions. They didn't. They didn't care where I came from. They just, they just loved me. Honestly, that was the first time in my whole life that I just felt like, wow, this is what it feels like to be loved. And this is what it feels like to be accepted. Like the pieces of me that I don't even want to accept. She loves me for it. You stop and you look around and, and you're like, wait a minute, I'm home. Like this is where I fit. This is what I was created for. My struggles, everything is playing out according to God's plan right now. Being a mom now is so much different. 
I've been praying for the last two years that she would fall in love with Jesus and receive salvation. And I got to walk her through that prayer on Christmas Eve this last year. And we talk about what he says about us and how our value is established and the things that he says about us and not what anybody else says. And my daughter tells the high school girls what Jesus says about them. The girls look at me and they're like, how did that happen to you? You're not sad, you're not bitter, you're full of joy. Like, how did that happen to you? It's amazing to be able to say like, hey, this is what I went through and I'm 100% different because Jesus. And, th and that's it, there's, there's no other reason. say I want to say thank you to Krista for being so transparent with her story I'm gonna ask you if you would to bow your heads with me I'm gonna ask if you could unless it's an emergency for no one to move around for just a moment I believe it's a very important moment an eternal moment and I want you just to contemplate for a second that what we heard there from Krista where she said that's the first time I felt genuine love as she felt the real, life-changing love of Jesus. And she said, I'm 100% different because of that love. Well, I want you to know this, the same love, the same value, the same concern that Jesus showed Krista, it's available for you. And I want you to own that. I want you to receive that. I want you to say right where you are, Jesus, I wanna be loved that way by you. It can extinguish the insecurities and the fears and the concerns. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I wanna receive it today. So you just tell him right where you are, maybe watching online, maybe in McKinney, you just say right where you are, Jesus, I wanna receive your love. I, I wanna receive you. I want you to come into my life. I believe that I couldn't meet the standard. I have sin, you know it, you just tell him. You know it, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not hiding anything from you. But I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead, so I receive you today. Become my Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you stand up. You say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you. Would you just slip your hand up right there and just say, Pastor, I prayed with you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just look at me if you would, if you raised your hand. Everyone else, keep your head bowed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do, okay? You made the most important decision that you'll ever make, hands all around this room. And I'm gonna ask you now, same as you say, I, I made that decision. I'm gonna ask you to take a step I'm gonna ask you to come to 101, February 4th, next weekend, I wanna meet you. So if you prayed that prayer, come. We have it here at the Keller campus, right here in the front of the building. Come, I wanna meet you. Let us know by a communication card. We wanna help you start your journey with Jesus. So Jesus, I thank you for people in this room making that decision. And I pray now that you'd give them the courage to take some next steps of learning how to walk with you. And Father, we leave here today though for all of us. I pray for all of us. I pray for every single person listening to me right now. Help us, Lord, to understand that we are not our pain. We are not our failures. We are not even the good steps that we are taking. 
We are not our successes. We are not our promotions. Father, we're not defined by those things primarily. Let us leave with a new strength in our soul that we are your sons and daughters. We are loved by you. And Lord, help us as we face all the pressure of evaluation of our world to stay anchored to that so that we can live the life you've discovered and created for us, that we could discover it and live the life you've created for us. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 